What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Episode 23 of the Sunday Sauce Podcast. It is our Jordan episode, our LeBron episode. Whichever, LeBron episode. Whichever generation you are from. I know we have a lot of uh, LeBron, LeBroner generational people. So welcome back. Joey Coffee, how we doing? Living. Doing very nice. We got Borat coming out in like two, two three weeks. Seems two weeks. Um, very pumped. I got in a great mood once I saw that. I was like, oh, it's Friday, and I know Borat's coming out this month. Pretty good month. We will see how that goes. And more. I'm very interested to see what kind of contents in that movie. But the trailer looks very it looks very political, which like I don't love, but it's still Borat. I'm sure he made it away to be Yeah. You'd expect more them. more so funny. Like I don't I don't want I don't want to be like spoon fed like some political message, but at the same time it's Borat, so I'll watch it either way. For sure. For sure. On today's episode, we do have our victory lap as normal, big four breakdown as normal, and a super special interview with longtime friend Ryan Prevost. For those of you that know Ryan, or maybe don't know Ryan, he ran, uh, I'm sorry, not ran, he completed two Ironmans so far in his life. Uh, Unbelievable athlete. Joey and I had the pleasure of playing with him, growing up with him. I went to school with him at Fisher, actually lived with him for two years. Joey lived with him for a year. So, He's going to tell his story on how the heck he got involved with the Ironman, the training, the nutrition, the, the actual running and swimming and biking of the, merit of the Ironman and the, and the recovery. And it's just an unbelievable story to listen to. Joey and I have heard it, the story many times where we asked questions for things that we didn't even know about. And it's just, it, it never ceases to amaze me what he's able to do and my body hurts just thinking of what. Well, I was say, what better way to start your Sunday when this comes out on Sunday morning that you're going to be about to sit on the couch for about 12, 13 hours just watching football all day and just know that Ryan Prevost probably already ran about 40 miles before you even your ass hit the couch. Yeah. So some Sunday so motivation. Hey, you're, you're a loser. Yeah, right. So are we. It's, it's a good Sunday motivation for you to uh, get your week ended on a good note and then started on a high note, if you listen on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. So that's going to be awesome. But before we get into that, we do have the victory lap to begin with, and we do have some non-sports related news. I think it's very prevalent in the world. Donald Trump has contracted the COVID-19 coronavirus. I don't know if you have anything to say on it, Joe, but I figured we would. No, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to get into anything sort of political. I'm just saying, I think, from a general consensus, I think everyone believes that. I think karma, I think, is now real. Because whether whether you're, you know, red or blue, however you swing in that regard, uh, he's been pretty anti-COVID in general. So it's just funny how it kind of came back and bit him in the ass. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously, obviously huge news having him and the first lady have it. See what happens. But uh, the irony is all I'll say. I, I hope I, I never would ever, 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 ever wish that upon anybody at all. And I hope he stays healthy and all that, but. Oh yeah. I don't want, yeah, I don't want anyone to die. I'm just saying. <laughs> regardless, of, yeah, regardless of your take on COVID, whether you, you know, you're living your life as normal, which I think people can do in safe measures, just know that it's, it hasn't gone anywhere yet. So um, continue being safe, but also 
making sure you're taking care of yourself and living your life in, in the safest way possible. But moving on, because this is a sports-centric podcast and we don't need to get into any more of the COVID stuff or the political stuff, but uh, the XFL is back in 2022. It's officially coming back. So a little ways away. We'll see what happens then. A lot of time for The Rock to uh, see what The Rock is going <laughs> to happen. That's going to happen how it's happened the last however many times they brought it back. Yeah. It'll, be, it'll be fun as shit to watch for a one game, two games tops once nobody cares at all. Yep. It's going to go It's gonna go bankrupt. I mean, again, The Rock has – he's got all the money in the world, so he couldn't care less probably. Um, but, again, I just wish these people who had this kind of money would just stop doing stupid business ventures. And it's like, please, like, you would get more bang for your buck just handing out free money to civilians than trying to rival the NFL in America. It, it, will, it will never happen. Mm-hmm. I don't care who, who starts it. I don't care who plays in that league. You mm-hmm. will never trump the NFL in America. It will never happen. Mm-hmm. I just hope it's something where they, they, they do well with it because I think it'd be, it's great for The Rock to take it over and see what he can do with it. And I hope it's something where it becomes a pipeline of like a minor league fan NFL. I think well, that's, that, that, I think that's, that's, that's what they wanted it to be for this year. They just wanted to add some more stuff to it, which was exciting. Know, but they still, they still try and like, they're trying to be like, even I think just too independent anyway. There, I think there should be a league in between college and NFL because people like, I feel like, like that jump, you're you're a kid, you're like 21 years old, right? And I don't care what, I don't care where you play in the field, you're gonna line up across from probably a grown ass man, like a 30 year old, humongous man mm-hmm. who will try to kill you. Mm-hmm. Like that jump to the NFL, like the guys who are good out of college are like are just complete specimens and they're they're just studs. Um, but yeah, the, 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 I feel like they should aim to not be their own separate entity, but there like there should be a developmental farm league. Like every sport has to the NFL because I don't know. I think there's a good space for guys who just aren't either physically ready or skill ready yet for the NFL, uh, but who were like good college players. Um, but it will never work if the these other leagues, like I think XFL, American, I don't know what the hell that one league was, the AAFL or how it was called. Yeah. Like these leagues, you can't, you cannot go head on with the NFL. It will never work. So mm-hmm. we'll see. We, we shall see. We shall see. But staying in the realm of football, some big Power Five matchups are back in college football. This is what everyone's been waiting for. We have Texas A&M, Bama, Auburn, Georgia, South Carolina, Florida, which is always a big one. We have the uh, Texas battle between Texas and TCU. And then the Fugazi, Oklahoma Sooners going over to Iowa State, which I personally think Iowa State's going to win this game outright. I know they're a little bit of a dog, but I'm – I'm on Iowa State this week. I, I cannot believe Oklahoma. And I just want to bring up them real quick because I did have them minus 28 last week. Mm-hmm. They were up 35-14 to 14 with one minute left in the third quarter. And they ended up losing that game outright. I literally left, my, left the TV for like 10 minutes, and next thing I know it was a tie ball game, and then they lost. So, Oklahoma, you do not deserve to be in the college football playoff, and you didn't <laughs> ever. So, you can have an awesome offense, and they do have an awesome offense with a really exciting quarterback. But my God, that defense and just the Big Twelve defenses in general—I don't know. Oh, like, so yeah, it's just a Big Twelve thing. It it actually is comical to me how like conferences have like literally their own identity, and they—I mean, oh, they yeah. obviously recruit for that, but like everyone knows the Big Twelve can't play defense. Everyone knows the SEC has like the NFL-ready squads. Everyone knows the Big Ten, outside of a couple teams, are going to be that you know 
defense heavy conference. That's yeah, run the ball, run the ball, yeah. grind it out. You, you have, you know, Ohio state every year, usually Wisconsin can get exciting depending on their running back. Michigan is usually you know, a little bit different than the, the usual big 10 football squad. But like, it just amazes me that year over year, everyone's like, oh, this is Oklahoma's year, and they just continue to prove that they cannot stop anything on defense. And it's unfortunate, but hey, it makes it easier for some of the other teams that we like to uh, have. Them <laughs> so, anyway, we already talked about Borat briefly. So pumped. October 23rd release. This is not sports related again, but hey, we got to bring it up. Sometimes it's cool to talk about the, uh, the pop culture movie world. Joey's a big, big movie guy, and I think our, our generation of uh, Degenerates is actually, you know, fans of Borat, so, or at least watch Borat at some point in our lives, so. Well, I mean, to be fair, I was like, we were like 10 years old, and yeah. I was running around pooping on the street, saying yeah. very, very nice, like, it was hilarious. Yeah. It was it like was our still, first, it was still hilarious. Yeah, it was like one of the first movies you watched without your parents' <laughs> consent, you would like sneak it in and watch it, so your parents didn't know you're watching it, and like, that was the first time you kind of learned some things you maybe shouldn't have, so, we'll see. It's, it should be a good laugh for for everyone that probably needs it at this point after seven months. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, unless you're, unless you're these, these yeah. like, <laughs> tight-ass, like, lame-mos. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to pick apart every part Which of Which there are plenty of out there today. Yeah. It's cool. I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to offend a bajillion people, whereas when he put the first one out in, like, 2005, like, no one cared. Yeah. <laughs> Cancel Borat culture's coming October 23rd. Oh, yeah. Be- I think, yeah, yeah. He does not care. <laughs> no. Well, let's get let's get to the 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 probably the coolest part of this this this, this episode with Ryan Prevost, two time Iron Man completer, essentially Superman in human form. He doesn't like being called Mister Perfect, but he is very very close to that. Enjoy. Well, everyone everyone should tweet or no, he, he's more so on Instagram. Everyone everyone DM Ryan. Yeah. Saying he's perfect, and we'll just see how we'll just watch him go crazy by the hour. Be on his nerves. It's fun. Yeah. Or tell me he's a senior. Yeah. That tell me catch, look, yeah, tell me he's a catch fly ball. He needs to catch fly balls in the outfield because he's a senior. Because he's a senior. And seniors catch fly balls. Mm-hmm. We'll see you on the other side. Welcome, everyone, to maybe one of the most special interviews we've done yet with our childhood best friend, two-time Ironman athlete competitor, one of the greatest athletes of all time, one of the hardest workers I've ever met, if not the hardest worker, and he has brains. I don't know what else you want from a man, but he is an actual Iron Man, Ryan Prevost. <laughs> no, what a what an introduction! Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting better at these introductions. I got it. Hey, seriously, that was a uh, that was a pump. Up. That felt good. That was not scripted, by the way. That Stalking was him. No, that was, uh, thanks for having me. Honestly, what you guys are doing with this is awesome, and I'm glad to be a part of like something that's so special with all these athletes. So thanks for having me. Yeah, man. We appreciate you coming you out. Right in, guy. Yeah, this is an awesome one. And I don't know how many people know what an Ironman is, but it's living with you at Field Street and hearing you talk about wanting to do one and then doing one and then like changing your body, which I want you to get into for the second one mm-hmm. and doing it again is wild. And so for starters, I'd love to have you tell us like what gave you the idea, what drove you to go for 
first of all, training for an Ironman act and then actually completing it and then going for a second one. Well, also Ryan, explain what the Ironman is to some people who might not know what the Ironman race is. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So, so just to start off of what the Ironman is. So it's pretty much a triathlon that's extremely long. It's 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, and then you finish the race with a marathon. So that's all in one setting, um, all in one day. Um, and yeah, it's pretty strenuous. So we'll get into detail about that. But um, I pretty much started off uh, getting interested in Ironman after college baseball. So after we kind of finished our sporting career, Frank, that's where I wanted to pick up another sport. Um, and my uncle was involved with Ironman and triathlons his whole life. So that's kind of where I picked it up. He's actually done uh, two Ironman Lake Placids and tons of half Ironmans and sprint distant Ironmans. Um, so he kind of got me really motivated and involved with that. And I thought, what is the biggest challenge that I could do? So I love challenges. And that was something that uh, I was really like looking forward to um, doing for sure. Yeah. I just don't even, I, I know I've seen you run two of them, but I track you on the app when you do them. Every time I hear you say what the Ironman is, I like want to puke and like, I would literally die. If I got a mile out in that water, I'm going down like a rock. I wouldn't get any further than that. When you explain what the Ironman is, I always feel like, I feel like I like sick my stomach. Like I can't even do like, I couldn't even do a fraction of that. It's insane how I, I get to get back to when you were like, this is like only like an idea, like a thought. And I've done two of them. It's so crazy. I just, it will also, it's just sad that we're old now. So I remember going back and field straight and you're like, yo, I'm going to do this race one day. I'm going to train for it. And I was like, all right, right. I got, I believed you, but the fact that you've already done two now is stupid. We're getting old. That's yeah. Good. But it is so uh, pretty crazy. Yeah. A question that I've never actually, I don't think I've ever asked you. So when you're out there, like in like the heat of the race, like what's the atmosphere like amongst the competitors? Is it like, are the guys like talking shit or is it like so silenced? Everyone's so locked in or how, yeah. how is it out there when you're actually, when you're actually racing? So honestly, the atmosphere of Ironman in general is amazing. Like I wouldn't change it for the world in terms of like a competition environment because at the end of the day, you're all individuals for this competition. So it's not like a team sport. Um, even though you may like train with like, uh, like a triathlon team or something, but at the end of the day, it's like, you're by yourself. So, and especially in such a long race, which is like 140 miles and plus, you kind of get in your head a little bit and you're out there by yourself. There's no music, there's no external motivation other than the fans that you see when you're like coming back into town for a split second. Um, but you really don't talk to anyone. It's, it's just silent, everyone's so locked in. <laughs> it's so what, you're not listening to music at all? you can't listen to music because they, oh. they deem it as like a safety hazard for when you're biking uh, oh and running. So like talk about, I would train without music just to get used to it. And so I would be, have to motivate myself. But going back to your question, Joe, you don't, people don't say a word. And you're literally, <laughs> you, you could be running next to this guy for 26 miles at the same pace. And you could be just so exhausted at that point that you don't say much. But on the other hand, I would, I would try to talk to people, like, get my <laughs> hey, mind off of it, right? You know, get my mind off of the, the fact that I'm, I still have 26 miles to go on this race. And 
some people would like mumble or like barely answer or like pretty much tell you, you know, shut the F up or <laughs> but, but just being nice because it, it is, it's tough. It's so mentally tough, but yeah. Quick side note, I couldn't think of a more just like defeating task than after you've biked like a hundred miles, they're like, hey, go run a marathon now. I'm like, okay. Yeah, it's a feat. It is a feat. So what what, what was like the, the how what was the, uh, what was like for the? Training? No, not the training. Like for each of the events, what was like the, the way it went? Like was it swim, bike, run, run, swim, bike? Like was the, the steps of the race yeah so the order they that they do it is swimming then biking and then running and they could have changed it up done any other way but i think the reason that that's the order is because if you swim last you'll have people dying you'll have people drowning you know they'll be cramping up so obviously they're going to start with the swim um transition to the bike because if you're tired and do that last you could fall off the bike and there are crashes but that's i think that's the best order swim bike run is what they have so okay um yeah starting with the swim is brutal though i gotta say uh mentally it's tough because it's 2.4 miles and for ironman lake placid you have 3500 people in the water um, and Muir, I don't know if you guys have been to Lake Placid or, or if the listeners have, but Muir Lake is not the, the biggest lake in the world. It's super small. Uh, so you're like swimming like sardines, like jam packed. So I would always, getting kicked. yeah, getting kicked. You can't breathe. Um, it's tough at the start because I, I start up, I would start up front just cause I was a pretty fast swimmer just so I didn't have to deal with the pack, you know, but. Right, yeah. you probably get hit in the face with everyone's waves too, outside oh, yeah. and then kicked, yeah. It is tough, so, yeah. But going off of that then, during each stage of the race, are you like telling yourself the same thing mentally or like are you each stage like, okay, like from my training, I have to like talk to myself this way mentally for the swim, this way for the run, this way for the bike. Well, at the start of the race, I'll tell you, it's like uh, you could feel the energy. It's like a nervous it's like all Lake Placid is a nervous energy. Like, cause you got like 20,000 people just watching the people doing the race and the swim is what people most like dislike. And I'd say I probably dislike the swim the most. Um, so mentally it's just getting through the swim. So it's like, all right, let's get through this. Let's get through this. Um, and then here comes my race. So like the biking and running where it's a little bit, I guess, easier on you mentally. Um, but it was weird because I was actually a really strong swimmer. So mentally, it was just like, all right, let's get to the bike. And then when I was on the bike, that's when you're just mentally in your head because you're sitting on a bike seat. So think about a bike seat and these bikes, they're stiff. They're stiff as hell because you're constantly moving your legs. So you can't have like a big, comfortable bike seat like um, like normal, like leisurely bikes. Right. So you're on a bike seat for up to most, some people, some people are on a bike for nine hours. Well, Luckily I job. was on a bike for about six, which is moving decently. Luckily. <laughs> which is moving decently quick um, for Ironman. Um, but you'll have pros do it in like four hours. So they're unbelievable. But um, yeah, so, and then mentally for the run, it's the last stage you're like finally but it's 26 miles so you're like oh my gosh like 
one mile at a time, one tree at a time, one step at a time. Like that's all you can really do. And then once you finish, it's like a wave of euphoria. You're done, you know? So, so right. Side question off that. Mm -hmm. Um, I just thought of it. So at, at what point in your experience, did, like adrenaline kick in for you? Like you were like, I'm like, I'm literally dead. I can't go anymore. And all of a sudden you like got the extra kick to like go back at it like hardcore. Yeah, this is, this is all about sports and what we've kind of done our whole life where you got to give yourself motivation. You know what I mean? You got to talk to yourself. And I feel like I could easily give myself a runner's high by just like talking to myself mentally, you know? So it, it would push me that much more. And last year when I did the Ironman, I actually failed. So I wouldn't say fail, but I cramped the entire run. So think about running a marathon with your legs locked. So, and that was just a nutrition error and it happens. And that's the tough nutrition is actually the toughest part of the race, but, um, yeah, you just have to, you have to, you're like, I trained every day for about 200 days for this event. I'm gonna push through whatever comes, you know? So mm -hmm. it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life last year. Uh, yeah. Marathon. It sounds like it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was. I can't even describe how I felt because it was like, it was beautiful yeah. because like I expect so much on myself to do so well and then to fail off of like a hydration error and electrolyte error from cramping. It's like, it's very tough, you know, but I did. Yeah, I, I think, know. I think fails is an unfair word to you. I know in your right. mind you fail because that's, that's how you're, that's how you're wired. And I, I, yeah, me and Frank have known you since you were a baby. Like, that's how you, from day one, you're always like, if I'm, if I'm not winning or nothing. So I, I win or I lose. Um, yeah, I've gotten better. Because you just you just swam three miles and like another 114. You didn't fail. You didn't fail anything. You were you were being a monster. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, you're. you're... <laughs> and you still you still like bared through the marathon. It's like you was like, like late down. <laughs> yeah. But no, Frank had a good question. I'm gonna get into about. Cause you mentioned that, you know, you thought it was up to like your hydration and your um, dieting before the race or whatnot. So I kind of go explain, I guess what your diet is like up to the race or what you, or what that entails. Also like what even like, do you do during it to kind of stay, stay like energized? Yeah. Well, so essentially my first year I was out of college baseball. So kind of you're, you're pretty bulky. You're, you're a lot, a lot of muscle mass. So to transition to Ironman, it's a whole different style. Um, I pretty much was 190, 185 pounds of, of muscle. And then I cut to about 170 pounds for the Ironman. So think about 20 pounds less of dieting and workout change, but pretty much protein, carbs, uh, veggies, all of that nonstop. And I would have to eat up to most of five to 6,000 calories a day just to maintain my weight at 180 pounds because I would burn 3,000 calories in a workout alone. And then you need to eat 2,000 calories for your daily value, you know? So that's that was tough to work up to that and um, organize my eating to maintain muscle mass because you need strength for the Ironman too, as well as endurance. But, and then going on your question about the race itself. So when you think about like a 5k or like a half marathon, 
you're going to eat before the race and then you're going to run the race and then eat after. You know? right. So the Ironman, you have a total time of, you can finish the race in 17 hours. Okay. That's the cutoff. So 17 hours is the cutoff. So there will be people out there for 17 hours straight working out. So if you think about doing lunges for 17 hours straight, that's what they're doing. Like, it's like, you have to feel your body or else you're going to crash. So during the race, what we take is like these gel glucose um, supplements and they go down terrible. It's like, it's like goo. And, and after the fifth one, you feel like you're going to throw up, you know? So, so your stomach's full of goo. You try to eat cliff bars, anything to change up a variety in your stomach, but all throughout training, you train with the same thing so that you're used to it during the race. You know what I mean? Um, it's nutrition is the hardest thing in the race by far. And I still have not mastered it clearly since I failed, like cramped the whole run, you know? Right. And I think that's an important part of just like fitness and working out in general that people seem to disregard. It's like, you can pump all the iron you want. You could run as many miles as you want, but like if you don't put the right stuff into your body, right. it's going to affect you. And like you said, it's, it's extremely important. And it sometimes takes, taking down some goo while you're running to keep going. But if that's what it takes, if that's I, the right thing to put in your body, it has to it be. It just sounds miserable. Yeah. I think the first year doing Ironman, I probably ate so much goo that <laughs> um, I think that's what was all coming out of my body is just goo. <laughs> um, but I couldn't uh, – the second year, I literally limited the amount of that supplement that I took goo because it was I – couldn't, I couldn't stand it. Yeah. Hmm. So I also wanted to ask you about the training side of things. So when you were working out, I know I just remember the first time you caught a lot of weight when you first did it, but the second time you're like, Hey Frank, I want to try and like stay somewhat, not bulky, but keep a little more muscle on for the second Ironman. So first question off that is like, why did you decide to change it up from the first time? And then secondly, like, how do you figure out the right amount of training to do whether you're cutting weight or staying more muscular, like what was that balance of, of workouts that you would do? Yeah. So, I mean, throughout college going from 190 pound physique and I guess just the natural look of my body cutting down the 165 of like a high school weight. I didn't love it just, just for a sport to be like paper thin, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So one, the second year I wanted to maintain more muscle and really work on strength training more because the bike is the greatest portion of the race, you know, 112 miles. And that's where you need so much strength, you know? So a lot of my weight did come from my legs and I strength trained my legs like pretty hard, I would say. Um, and I think you gotta be really careful with this because for running and cycling, there are differences in the muscles, you know, in terms of, um, you don't want to put on too much muscle mass because it's, it's more weight for your body to carry, you know, for the run. But my philosophy was all of training, I'm going to maintain this muscle mass, make myself carry this weight a little bit more. And then when I get to the race, I cut and I slim down a little bit so that my body felt lighter. I felt like a feather. I was honestly cruising, um, through the race. Um, and I'll, I'll talk about a mishap that I did on the bike that could have caused my 
cramping, but um, yeah, and the, the training itself. So I broke down a sample week. I got got one for you. So like last year, a couple, maybe a month before the race, I the whole week I did about 200 miles in training. So like on one given day, I would run. So I ran eight miles in the morning and then I swam 3,000 yards in the pool, which is about, I don't know, 1.75 miles. And then on Tuesday, I cycled 45 miles. Wednesday, I cycled 15 following with a swim. Thursday, I ran, I made this my long day. I ran 16 miles. Friday, quick run, four miles, followed by a cycle of 45 miles. I took Saturday off. And then Sunday, I cycled 50 miles and then ran after the cycle, eight miles. So this is just like a example of like a week breakdown. So it's, it's a lot of multiple trainings on a given day um, because you got to fit in the time to train for three sports in one, if you think about it. Um, and on top of this, I'm working as a dental assistant and I'm also working at Fleet Feet Sports. So it's not like I'm only training like a professional, you know? So, that's yeah. why you are Mr. Perfect, my friend. That's no. the craziest part to me is like, yeah. oh yeah, and I had to live my actual life and like mm -hmm. study for dental school and still make some money to provide for my life. But I also have to bike 10,000 miles per week. <laughs> I was trying to do a pro's schedule as an amateur athlete while working, you know, so it became a lot, but it was, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely committed to it more the second year in terms of like training and stuff like you were saying. Um, so what did you, oh, sorry, go ahead, finish up. No, I was just going to say that the, with the strength training, so like getting my legs stronger for the bike, because that's the longest leg of the race where you can really make up your time. And I did cut off time from the first year's Ironman. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. What did you weigh the first one and the next one? What were your weigh-ins for that, for the race? Uh, first one, I was probably 167. Second race, I was 170. So I was right there. So like I said, I trained heavy at about 185. And then about a month and a half before the race, I slowly cut to 170. Um, gotcha. right, right on race day, which is pretty thin for me. So and outside the cramping for the second one, you felt you, you said you felt better. I felt better. But here's the issue is the whole race is revolved around so many different things like your bike, right? So if your bike breaks, your race is over, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So when we got to Lake Placid, my, so essentially in a triathlon bike, your feet are clipped in to the bike. Like yeah. You're locked in, you know, yeah. my clips, my feet kept sliding out of the clips and, and they were, they were essentially like stripped and they were broken. And I probably should have invested in a new pair of clips at the beginning of the year. I had to make a decision. Do I want to risk my clips breaking or buy a new pair? I bought a new pair. And what this pair was kind of different is it locks your feet in more than my other ones. I was like more free with my legs, you know, I was locked in. So going back to the cramping, I think I overdid it because my legs were moving in a motion they were not used to. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. So there's so many different factors that you got to think about with Ironman and so that's so annoying. Like of, of all the things that bite you in the ass, like your your bike clips <laughs> for your pedals. <laughs> I know, and yeah, there's nothing I could have done. Like no, 
I don't think I went too hard because I stayed within myself. Um, but at the end of the day, it, I, I cramped pretty bad. Like, like I would try to run and I'd be grieving for pain and like, you know, like holding her leg, like a horse collar, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Nuts, dude. But okay. So speaking of pain in the ass, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get all the angles that I wouldn't normally think about, about the Ironman. So you have to wear a wetsuit, right? When you swim, I imagine you wear a wetsuit or some form of it. So yeah, one, as long as the temperature is not too high, everyone can wear a wetsuit. Yeah. Professionals cannot, they have to wear like skins, um, which are not as thick and not as buoyant. Um, but you don't have to wear a wetsuit. Like I was doing it in speedos, you know? Cause that's how they used to do it uh you know 20 or 30 years ago they used to do it in speedos only so the whole race in a speedo can you imagine that yeah well what? The, uh, really yeah that's, that's <laughs> on, well uh, the reason why i asked I, mean, I think i was talking to you one time about how like when you get like go change from like getting out of the water to go to your bike it's like a yeah. whole like ordeal like a whole process so like yeah explain oh. how like how much like does that, does that like kill your like your whole like flow like okay i just i just killed a swim now I have to like get undressed and like get re-geared up for the bike. Yeah. So, so the first year, essentially under my wetsuit, I wore my race suit. It was a one piece mm -hmm. suit. So I would strip off the wetsuit at the end of the swim. You'd have like volunteers ripping it off, you know, <laughs> and they say, please don't pee. Please don't pee in the wetsuit because you'd be ripping it off and then you get a face full of, you know, so I feel bad for them, but the, hey, they're volunteering. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Their choice. So, yeah. So you would run, you'd run about half a mile to the, it's called the transition area where you would change into your bike suit if you didn't wear anything under your wetsuit. Um, or you would strip down your wetsuit and I already have my bike suit on. So I would pretty much grab my transition bag. You have a transition bag and you change into all your bike gear, put a ton of sunscreen on because honestly, I would fry out there if I did not have sunscreen on. <laughs> I'd be a lobster. Um, you try to like gain your energy back for a second, eat any food you could, stretch, but at the end of the day, that time is added onto your race time, you know? Mm -hmm. So you can take as much time as you want, but you wanna be as quick as you can. Right. Um, to limit your amount of time just sitting there. So um, my first year, I think my transitions were like six minutes and six minutes. So six minutes between the swim and the bike, and then six minutes between the bike and the run, just to like give myself a second to regroup, rehydrate and stuff. Um, but it goes back to planning for the race again, because if you don't have what you need in that gear bag between you're transitions, you're screwed. Right. So like, let me tell you, like, I had a list, probably a hundred things. <laughs> I probably went through it five times before the race just to make sure I had everything in that one bag um, mm -hmm. in transition. Because if you don't, like, your race is over. Like, you can't bike without bike shoes. So you got to make sure everything is there. Um, you get up at probably 3.30 in the morning um, and bring your bike over, get all checked in, and get ready for the swim that starts at 6.30. And you don't finish until, you know, nine, 10 at night, some people. So, right. Or midnight, midnight. Yeah. But yeah, the transitions, I got better the second year. I went super quick when I did the half Ironman in Lake Placid. It was in September. 
So at the start of the race, it was actually 30 degrees outside. Was it like cold? It was 30 degrees outside. So I had to run. I actually chose to run with my wetsuit to the transition area to stay warm. <laughs> I ran with my wetsuit on. I probably looked, <laughs> looked like a weirdo. <laughs> I wanted to stay warm. And, uh, and I took a lot of time in that transition just to layer up because I like to be warm. I know my body. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can just imagine some guy just killing the swim all of a sudden his white suit won't come off and he's just down like 15 minutes for this race. <laughs> yeah, um, those guys see they wear they wear like the what are they called skins and as they're running they're they're stripping it off themselves they waste no time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but my God. So I have a two part question here. Mm-hmm based off training as well as the race itself. So the first part is what did you enjoy the most about the training, if anything, and what did you enjoy the least about training? Least about training. All right, so the most thing I probably enjoyed was the progress right off the start because let me tell you, in December when I signed up for the Ironman, I couldn't swim a lap without gasping for air. Let me put that into perspective. And then Maybe six months later, when I had my first Ironman, I could swim 88 laps consistency, like without stopping, without struggling for my breath. And just to see that progress, I I loved it. Like it was something I fueled off of. It was like a challenge to get better and better every day. So I kind of obsessed over it, I would say. Um, But yeah, just seeing that progress. The hardest thing though, at the end of the day is I would have to get up before work. 5 a.m. and hop in a cold pool in Rochester winter weather um, it's the hardest thing to do in the world and do that every morning um, and just some and just training you know when your friends are you know watching Sunday night football or or football all day and I had to dedicate myself to go out and bike 50 miles you know and and get this training in because you really should be doing it you know what I mean so yeah, I'm sure we didn't do any favors there for you. <laughs> oh, I would get back and you guys would give me all the updates. That's all I needed. So. <laughs> but come on, dude, I'm already 12 beers deep. Come sit next to me. I, uh, <laughs> I burned yeah, I'm going to go run to Buffalo real quick. I burned the calories for you. So you're good. Right. <laughs> yeah. So my second part was, and this is on the race side, if anything, did you enjoy the most from the race? And then mm-hmm. what was the, the shittiest part of the race outside yeah. of your cramp? The cramps, yeah. Um, what I enjoyed was, like I said, the atmosphere because it's such a great environment. Everyone works so hard to get to this point and now it's race day, you know? It's like it's just like game day for any athlete out there. Like you get the jitters, you get the nerves, but then once it starts, you're like, all right, you're in the mode, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I think I loved that. The toughest part about it was – um being mentally alone for for me the Ironman took me my first year the full Ironman took me 11 hours and 40 minutes so um you're by yourself except for when you pass your family briefly um it's tough but honestly you grow so much mentally from that event like you think you could do anything after that um what else was tough oh um say you have a mishap and your stomach starts to hurt and you got to go to the bathroom, you better hope you can make it to the port potty about, cause they have them every mile. And 
if you don't, you're going to have a rough rear end in your triathlon suit. I'll tell you that because uh, my second year I had, you know, the nutrition mishap. So I had to, I had to make it with the cramps. I had to make it another mile to the next porta potty. And I kid you not, it's like 80 degrees out. So think about this porta potty roasting all day. You're already dehydrated. Your electrolytes are down. You got, you got probably the runs. I haven't gone to the bathroom yet, but I get in the porta potty and it's like a sauna in a porta potty, dude. Like talk about a terrible experience and it will make you throw up right there. And it was a night. That was a nightmare. That was a nightmare. <laughs> you try to get in and get out like as quick as you can, and then just carry on with the race. But that's brutal. <laughs> yeah. I have more, I have more poop questions later on. Don't worry. <laughs> but um, my last, like, I guess my last, like, like a serious question would be like, what the hell happens to your body? Like the day after the race. And then I'm like, is it important to like kind of keep up with it and like not just like go straight shutdown mode or is it, or is rest like very, very important after the race? Yeah, I guess it depends how your race goes, you know, because after that last Ironman that I did last year, my legs were stiff as a board, you know, and it was, you know, it's hard to walk. It looks like you're almost like a cripple the next day with your, with your feet like waddling back and forth. Like you can't even like walk. Um, but in terms of recovery, I probably didn't do anything really active for a week, week and a half because your hormones and your body just needs to get back to equilibrium. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you try to like, you could really hurt your body, pull something if you try to train too early. So I usually waited at least a week, week and a half, two weeks before I did anything, even if it was like light, um, or at least I'd go for a walk, you know what I mean? Just to like loosen up the body, but um yeah what do you what are you feeling like that like i guess like once you cross the finish line what like what is your body like well you kind of i guess you get like that high up like hey i just freaking did it yeah but then once that come down stops like like off the bat is like you you, like pain or is it like more so just like your tires gassed or does it actually hurt yeah so during the race your body wants to survive right so if you're pushing it to its limits you can really push your body past what you really think is physically possible like Mm -hmm. your mind can make things happen for your body you know running like i did 26 miles fully cramped it wouldn't recover and yeah you push your body past the limits but then right when you finish your body's like okay i'm done right so you get hit with this wave of, of pain a little bit you do like nausea kicks in right away your body's like all right we need help like go to the medical tent they have a medical tent right on site. And I think there's like, you know, 50 or so doctors because there's so many complications that could go on. Some of them, some of them could become hypotonic during the race where they actually drink too much. Uh, and then their, their water or cells will start to burst. And that's like, so very severe. Um, yeah. People crash. Uh, they start like cramping and seizing, you know what I mean? So it's, it's a, it's a sport where you got to really pay attention to how your body's feeling, but yeah, you push yourself to the limit. And then after the fact, you feel the pain. I'll tell you. Yeah. Hey, imagine. I literally couldn't like be happier to lay down on, on pavement, you know, like just, just like, Oh my God, I'm done. But then it's also so sad because you're done. You know what I mean? Like 
I trained for seven months for this and I'm done with it. Like, yes, you're happy for finishing, but at the end of the day, it's sad because you put all that work into this and then the race is now over. Like everything that you, all that energy you put into this is it's over with. And now what do you do? Now all you can do is sign up for another one. You know, that's why people become addicted. Um, yeah. I mean, you're a psycho. That's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, all you can do is sign up for another one. <laughs> <laughs> by, by people, I meant me. So, you know, right. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's what I can say about the pain. No, yeah. For sure. So my last one was about just any advice you have for anyone that may be listening that's crazy enough to think about doing an Ironman or who has thought about doing an Ironman coming from someone who's now done too. Yeah, I mean, I always had exposure to it going to Lake Placid, watching my, Iron, or watching my uncle compete in the Ironman. So I at least probably had it in my mind without even knowing it. But uh, for those of you who want to get involved, Ironman is pretty much the, the greatest distance for a triathlon or, or one of them. There's ultra Ironmans as well, which is like three times the distance of an Ironman. So did I mention I signed up for that? No, you didn't. Uh, you're not. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but so, so people who, if you're interested, there's sprint distances, there's Olympic distances, and then there's half Ironmans. So I've actually done two half Ironmans as well as two full Ironmans. So there's so many different distances and each distance is, is subtracted in half. So you can start basic. I started at the highest level, which is probably not recommended. Uh, um, you know, there's so many coaches in the area, especially in Rochester, where we're from, there's a lot of triathlon clubs. Um, here I actually have, I bought this book. It's called, uh, the triathlon Bible. It's pretty thick. Um, that's your boy Goggins. That's not Goggins. He's a <laughs> But, um, yeah, Goggins is an inspiration if you want to listen to him. He's a, he's a whole other level, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, honestly, there's so many books about it. There's so many people interested in it and just running and cycling and swimming in general is so good for you. So you don't have to do Ironmans, but you could just do those sports in general. So, yeah. I'm moved right now. That's all I want. That's all I want to do is move people. <laughs> people want to like, give it Push a shot. Time. Because I get... Let me tell you, I get the same reaction every time I tell someone what I've done. You know what I mean? Oh, what's an, what's an Ironman? A marathon or something? I'm like, yeah, it's, it's a marathon at the end of the race. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I, get, I get these crazy reactions, but when I first started for um, deciding to do it, I was, you know, intimidated by it as well. But it's just about training up to it, you know? you're not going to do an Ironman without making sure your body's ready for it because that would be a disaster. <laughs> you know, even the 2.4 mile swim off the bat is a lot, you know, you're not just treading water. So. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a great life. Sounds lesson. terrible. Yeah. It sounds terrible, but it really, no, it truly <laughs> is like a genuine like life lesson. Like you, yeah. you think you like look at the, like the end of the tunnel before you even enter the tunnel and you think it's just, which it, what you've done is isn't is, is abnormally amazing, but like you took the necessary steps to put knowledge in your brain about it, prepare yourself, 
And at the end of the day, now that you've done it, it's like, damn, it's over. But like, I did it. And at the beginning, to your point, you're like, I was intimidated, but I took the baby steps instead of focusing on the end, the end game without just worrying about what I could do every day to get to that point. That way on race day, like I'm sure on race day, you were, you were probably thinking the same thing, like, oh my God, like, I can't believe I'm actually here right now. Just as you did when you finished the finish side, like, oh my God, I just finished this. Like now what type feeling? So I think it's a great, it's a great like metaphor for just like life in general, not to get overly deep, but that's the way it resonated with me when you did this. Cause I know we, Joey and I and the rest of the boys are so close to you in this whole process that like when you finished it, like, we felt like the same way you did or like, holy shit, like, dude, he did it. Like, this is awesome. Like he literally did it. And then he did it again. <laughs> I know I got, yeah, I got high goals for myself. And um, a lot of times I beat myself up when I don't reach like what I want to reach. But at the end of the day, it's about finishing an Ironman, you know, because um, my goal, my goal for the first Ironman was 10 hours and 30 minutes. So I was about an hour short of that, which is good in itself. But you know, I got more that I'd like to accomplish. So, and everybody has their own goals. Um, but I do want to say from like starting from baby steps, I can remember being in the pool, like I said, and it was at the YMCA and the lifeguard was going around. She's like, what are you guys training for? And I'm like, oh, we're training for an Ironman. And this is when I could only swim like long lap down and back. And she just laughed. She just huh. laughed. You know what I mean? So that, cool. that motivated me and my body so much. And we just... You know, it's all about a process of leading up to an Ironman. You know, you don't have to be able to do those distances right away. I never even did those distances in training. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't know. Crazy, bro. Well, yeah, I mean, I know me and Frank stopped doubting you. I, I never doubted you to begin with, but, like, now we have no reason to ever doubt you again. So I know you're going to do that ultra marathon. You're going to do the super ultra Ironman 20 years from now run the moon one day i don't know what the hell you're gonna do so yeah david goggins actually did the ultra iron man so i got some competition <laughs> the next goggins yeah. prevost yeah. all right let's get to all the right. hitters now the fun round okay i'll ask one first all right you let me know if there is anything next but what is next for you what's the next venture next adventure um, well, obviously, I'm, right now I'm in dental school, so it makes it a little bit tough to really train for a full Ironman, but my goal is to do at least a half Ironman in dental school, whether it be next year or the year after that, because third year gets a little bit more free when you're just treating patients in dental school, so I'd like to do a half Ironman for sure, um, and maybe even do just a marathon in general. I've never actually just ran a marathon, so. I'll do the Boston one, dude. Yeah. You got to qualify for it, I think. So. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I don't. Yeah, geez. I'm sure, you, I'm sure you couldn't do that. Yeah, connect with J Mac on that one because he'll help yeah. you. Out. He, asked um, to, he asked me to run a lot, so. <laughs> I'm in Buffalo, right. Jay. I'm in Buffalo. Let's uh, let's get in some poop talk. So you mentioned the porta potties once every mile. So I mean, all right. So a, have you ever pooped your pants while running or biking, for training or during the race? Um. No, no, I, I would hold that thing into the last second. Um, that would be such an embarrassment to me. And okay, so also B, have, have you seen anybody poop their pants when they were running or biking or yeah. even in the water? Someone pooping yeah. in the water? I, th I, I would do it in the water. <laughs> well, think about it being your wetsuit, Joe. That would be gross. 
I'm but, not going to speedo. Uh, just pull back a little bit. All that, um, all that goo. Yeah. I mean, I've seen professionals do it. Um, <laughs> See the pros do. You guys start doing it, dude. <laughs> I'm not at the right level, apparently. Um, so for, uh, yeah, so not necessarily, I've never seen anyone like, you know, poop on the run or on, <laughs> on their bike. Uh, but I have seen, you know, guys just pee on the bike. You know what I mean? They're just going. Oh, I'd be letting a rip. You start peeing. You're not supposed to for the, the race rules, but obviously you're out there on your own for mm -hmm. miles. So um, you see that a lot. Uh, the only time I ever poop, I did poop my pants one time. <laughs> and I, and, and I, I was running, but it was when I was little. Our, our family had like a lot of <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say like <laughs> No, 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 no. This, this is when I was little, not, not recently. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> There were these dogs chasing. I hope not. There were these dogs chasing me, right? So we were in our woods, and I had to go to the bathroom so bad to begin with. And these three Rottweilers were chasing me on this property, and I just let it rip, man. <laughs> down, down, the leg, down the leg into the shoe, like. <laughs> that was that was the precursor to the Iron Man. Damn, if I could run, outrun three Rottweilers while shit in my pants, I might as well go run an Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, I've been running my whole life, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah so all right um funniest moment from your training your race your nutrition any any studying like the funniest thing that happened to you or at least something that you thought was um funny funny to you funny. uh i guess it's not like not particularly like funny but like during the bike you'll be riding behind a guy right and you'll pass him and then he'll pass you, and then you'll pass him, and then you'll he'll pass you. Mm -hmm. It's like a, it's like an it's like a mini race, race in the race. Yeah, it's like it's that annoying like that. person on the highway that like speeds past you, but the next thing you know, like you're riding their tail and you pass them. Yeah, and they'll so pass like, you. Oh my god, I'm playing freaking bike tag during this race. <laughs> so I think it's sometimes you like get caught up in the race, and then I'll just gun it to get out of there, like get away from that person because I don't want to see their rear end anymore. Um, mm. That's funny. I talked about uh, people peeing on the bike or just, you know, whipping it out. But um, uh, That's the porta potty thing was, a, you know, terrible. But other than that, nothing too funny. It's a pretty serious sport, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but Understandably so. Yeah. All right. Probably the toughest question yet. But what is your favorite Field Street memory? Dude, dude there is so many. It's like, geez, I huh? forgot all of them. <laughs> uh, why is that joe um no so i don't know i guess some of the we always had obviously a lot of get togethers a lot of parties for for baseball uh, when we were getting the bid to the world series um all i remember is we got the bid to go uh to regionals to then go to the world series uh champagne bottles just spraying the whole scaling and all i could think i'm just sitting there and i'm like Who's cleaning that tomorrow? You. I am <laughs> doing tomorrow, but we're going to spray the champagne in everybody's face. And uh, that was a blast. Uh, we did around the world house parties um, where we were in Italy. That was awesome at St. John Fisher, but too many to really bring up, to be honest. Nothing beats waking up and usually you're just stumbling down the stairs and you take that first step onto the hardwood floor. And like your sock comes off because the floor is so sticky or your shoe comes off because yeah. the floor just 
absolutely gunked and just like, everything gross. I must have been studying. I must, must not have got to it just quite yet. So, <laughs> No, but to no surprise, that morning after that champagne shower yeah. party, I came down the stairs and Ryan Prevost was standing on a chair swiffering the ceiling from all the champagne. <laughs> And I wish I wished I could have froze that moment because it was the most Ryan Prevost like moment of all time. Like <laughs> scrubbing the ceiling. Maybe, maybe it was innovative. I don't know. I didn't want to touch it, you know. So whatever. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. Like college days, huh? Alright, this is my last Iron Man event quick based question. Okay. You're doing your next Iron Man, but you can only choose one of the three events. Mm-hmm. And you have to do those three times so you can do three swims three runs or three bikes to complete your Ironman which of those like three sectors are you choosing to do three times that might be like the hardest question ever um if you did three bikes it would be such a long distance but um running so the only issue with running is I'm a great runner but it doesn't look like it because of Ironman because by the time I get to the run I you know I fail I cramp whatnot um, but I guess, I guess swim because it's the shortest distance. It's only 10% of the race and you're just kind of going through the motion. It's almost like a current in the water from all the people because you're swimming, you're like drafting off the person in front of you, like racing, you know what I mean? So you could get in that current and I could, I could probably easily swim six miles, which is the ultra Ironman distance actually for swimming. But yeah, swimming would be the easiest one. I would like the biking the most because of the change in scenery and right. conquering a mountain is like the best feeling ever. Uh, I got up to like 55 miles per hour on my bike in Lake Placid. Um, Jeez. So you're cruising. Uh, but the run would be too much on your body yeah. to do 75 mile run. You know? Yeah. No, thanks. <laughs> I'll take the swim. All right. All right. Let's go back to our, Modified football days, grease bomber days. We just finished practice, finished the game. We're going to get garbage plates. Yeah. I know you don't eat them now because you're you're like the pinnacle of fitness now, like negative percent body fat. But back in the day, what was Brian Prevost's go-to garbage plate? So I don't know about back in the day, but throughout college and when I was at MCC and then Fisher, Dogtown was right there. So mm-hmm. I love Dogtown. Um it was great. You know, they had so many variations that you could put on the plate. I actually do have garbage plates though, still, but really, uh, I'm not, I'm still a vegetarian. I've been vegetarian for a year. And I did not I put, know that. I did yeah, not know that. But, uh, I put veggie burgers on the plate now. So that's my change, but yeah, I'm a been vegetarian for a year. So we'll change. Interesting. Veggie burger, garbage plate. <laughs> <laughs> you should drive sometime. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll get on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got a better chance of getting Julia to run a mile. Than right, you. right. You saw me eat like 95 cookies in one sitting one time. I'm not, I'm not going to start eating veggie burgers now. You monster, man. If only, if only Braxton was here, our, our old Florida quad would yeah. be all, would be all here. That was, that was a crew. All right, my final one before we send you off is why are you perfect? Give us your little elevator pitch for why you're perfect. All right, I can't like – disregard this statement enough like (laughs) i have heard this so many times 
and I want to put you guys into the perspective of me, okay? So imagine you're hearing, you're Mr. Perfect. You're Mr. Perfect. You're Mr. Perfect. You know what I mean? You're going to start like... <laughs> Believe me, man, you're perfect. Are you blaming us for your downfalls? And your <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just saying like, you're going to take that on and like try to be perfect. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's... Uh, Ryan, you could do a lot of bad things and still be looked at in the highest light. So don't you worry about that. No, I know, but... I, I always just strive to be, do the best I can. Um, I've gotten a lot better at, um, you know, focusing on my mental state, you know, meditation and not worrying about when things don't go well. Um, so by no means am I ever perfect. Um, I it's it, overrated I, anyway. I hope it doesn't seem that way, but. Um, oh, someone's going to someone's gonna listen to this and someone's going to hate your guts. Like, who's Kip McKee is? <laughs> running, running 9 billion miles and eating veggie burgers. Uh, A's in dental school. It's a, pers- <laughs> it's a personal thing. It's not, uh, nobody else should take that on. You know what I mean? Um, well, I got, you know, we, I, have, we mess with I have a last, last question though. Okay. This is a little, a little insiders for all of our, our uh, varsity baseball boys. So do you hate Mr. Perfect or do you hate more when Coach Bunning called you a senior when you were a senior? <laughs> Ryan Prevost, you're, you're a senior. Senior, catch <laughs> the ball. You're a senior. Which one? Which one pissed you off more? <laughs> I think I heard Mr. Perfect my whole life, so probably, <laughs> probably that. I mean, it's also a good thing to hear, but uh, senior was like gut wrenching. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget the first couple because... times you came back to me. You were like, "I know I'm a senior." <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, he's kind of, like, he's messing with you, idiot." <laughs> Yo, because everybody makes mistakes, and Coach B was just, yeah, he was at you. But he thought well. He thought he'll, probably, he'll probably listen to this. <laughs> well, he's got, he's got satellite ears, so I, yeah, I, might as well I, be. I hope, I hope he does. <laughs> he listened to the Echo one, so maybe we'll make sure he listens to this one so he knows he got another mm-hmm. little shout Yeah, out. He, was, he was chirping us for that one, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ryan, we appreciate you coming on, man. And, um, again, continue killing it. You're, you're someone we look up to, and I know dental school's – You've studied your ass off for close to six or seven years now. I know dental school, you're, you're getting to the, the back half of it. and Yeah, you got to stop going to school, dude. Yeah. School's over. Just graduate. Almost there. Three more years. But everyone, when, when he does become a dentist, you have your dentist. Joey, Joey and I want referral bonuses, though, so make sure you – Free healthcare, baby. When you go there, you mentioned – you mentioned you use Joey Coffee and Frankie Meatballs for, the, for your free dental consultation. But <laughs> – Of course. We always appreciate you. We'll do this again. We'll get you on the NFL pod so you can make some picks because I'm sure you'll get all those right too. So, but um, where can we? Where can the the followers find you on uh, social media in case they want to see what's next in the Ryan Prevost yeah. work? Just, just search me on Instagram. Um, obviously, Facebook. I'm, I'm not too big on social media, but I do stay involved. Um, very very busy with dental school but uh yeah instagram facebook um that's about it and uh if anybody has any questions or anything you can always reach out about iron man or or even dental school in general for people who are interested in applying to school or anything so yeah man of the people thank you brother guy thank you guys i really appreciate it this was awesome you got it man Welcome back, everyone. Hopefully, you all enjoyed that interview with two-time Ironman animal, Ryan Prevost. 
we learned about how much goo he had to ingest during his races to the point where he had to take it completely out of his diet. We learned about the cramp he had because he had to change his pedals in the second race. We learned about his body changes, his nutrition. Speaking of, what, a, what, a, what an absolute just grotesque use of the word fail. Like to him, like he's, so, he's such a nut that he thinks he failed. After he ran, or sorry, swam three miles, bike to buck 14, and then he still finished the marathon, but he didn't do it as fast as he wanted to. So in his eyes, he failed. You know, he just ran across like half the country in like one day. 99.9999% of the human population could barely walk down the stairs if they cramped up, and this man ran 26 miles with a cramp. Tony, yeah, you want to you wanna see fail. I mean, throw me in that water. If I make it 100 feet, I'll, I'll start <laughs> jumping for joy. I'll show you how to fail on Ironman. I'll just plummet to the bottom of the lake. Yeah, it's awesome. But in all seriousness, if you don't know anyone who's looking into Iron Man or even dental school, because he's in dental school now, which is even more impressive that he's continuing on with just amazing feats in life. He's a great person to reach out to. So personable, so knowledgeable, and <laughs> yeah, he'll never. He'll be. Uh, he will not say no to you. Like yeah. he will give you everything he knows. Yeah. On top of all that, is actually one of the nicest humans you're ever going to meet, too. So. Yeah. yeah. Unrivaled. It, okay, we we pumped his tires enough. Yeah. Nah, yeah. I don't know. Love you, well, yeah, we haven't seen him in a while. That's why. Yeah, I missed him. It was awesome to see him, too, on, on the Zoom. He's living in Buffalo now. For those of you who don't know, going to UB Dental School. So it was good to see him. We miss him. We love him. And uh, maybe we'll get him on again to see if he wants to do some NFL picks sometime, too. So moving on, though. Big four breakdown. Another great week of sports. The NBA, we will kick it off. And before we get into the finals, Doc Rivers looks like he's going to Philadelphia. Um, he was looked at along with a seemingly seemingly D'Antoni and Ty Lu were names that were dropped into, at least in the media. So um, Doc's going to Philly. Um, I think he's a very successful coach. I think he's proven he can win with a very talented team. He's obviously proven that he can't get the job done. Again, it's I think sometimes perspective-wise, like, you just expect these teams to just win year over year, and it is hard enough to even make it to a finals, let alone win it, because you see LeBron do it every year. So I think he'll be a good fit. I think he's very experienced. I think he's well-respected around the league. I don't know what you think, Joe, what other people think, but um, I do like Doc Rivers outside of – I know the fact that he's – Lost a lot of playoff series. He's blown three one leads and stuff like that. But the just most as like one leads, yeah, just as a I don't know, just as a guy's guy in, in a basketball mind and for the city of Philadelphia, I think they'll they'll welcome him in. And I think for him, I'm happy he's out of LA because I, I I feel like he's taken the brunt of of playoff peas, backboard three pointers and the Clippers choking. And I don't, I mean, I guess at some point it is your fault that your team blew a three one lead again, but. Um, new, new, new leaf in Philly. New leaf in Philly for Doc. I don't know. I thought Philadelphia should have taken the Nets approach and gone like the unconventional route, hire like a Steve Nash type, like an ex-player who maybe wants to get into coaching. I know that doesn't always work out, but I think Philadelphia just needs a leader. What, what it can be a player or a coach, just a guy that can just like cut out all the bullshit in Philly, like. Well, here's always, the thing, it's, though. It's a, it's a big market. I, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not blaming, like, Ben Simmons or Embiid for, like, like stirring up the media. That's just that's going to happen in the Philadelphia basketball market. It's just that's what it is there. It's a very spiteful market for the NBA in Philadelphia. But I don't know, man. I just – after it's, like, 
really digging into Doc Rivers' career. Like, obviously, it was, it was put under a microscope during this Clippers season. Um, just, like, again, like, sneakily, not that good of a coach. Like, seriously, I'm not trying to, like, knock him. I know he's accomplished a lot. But I think most of that has come just from my tenure and the fact he's been doing it for so long. Again, he walked, he walked into that Boston championship. He had three Hall of Famers, all, like, at the peak or, like, a year after their peak. They could still obviously got the job done. Um, I don't know. I think Philly – I think Philadelphia has the talent. They're just lacking that consistent leader, whether it be a player or a coach. And I don't know if, like, like an old-school kind of guy like Doc Rivers, who just came off, like, again, one of the worst losses in playoff history – uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know what he's gonna do differently than what they've had in the past. I don't, I don't know. Well, here's the thing: like Brett Brown, it was was a great. Here's the thing: Brett Brown was a great coach, and he's a great guy, and feel, like they loved him, like the players loved him. I just think it's more so like just like a fit thing player wise in Philly. Like they, they just, and you can see it. it's not, it's not like a, it's not like a hypothetical game where you see that their flow just in the game isn't there. They have two elite players that they're missing that just like. Just, I guess you're cut and dry point guard. Like, it's Ben and Ben and Joel together aren't the issue. It's more so like you need someone else they need guys to handle they need the ball. Yes. Like, distribute or, or the ball. coach telling like, them what to do. Yeah. If, if, if you move Ben to like a point forward type where he can go just go play around and run in circles and not have to worry about handling the ball, like, that's going to be so much more dangerous. If you bring in someone just hypothetically like a Chris Paul or someone like a, like a point guard that can literally just play make, because they don't have anyone besides Ben that comes in and like can be like a legitimate playmaker. You know what I mean? Like, you see some of the other teams that roll out two point guards and they can both be playmakers. Like, that's more so what they'll need. And I think Doc, someone who's come in and, and be that father figure, just like Brett Brown was, because I think people forget how young Joel and Ben still are. They're still in their mid-20s. That's what I was going to say. That's, that's, I think that's why they more so just need I, – I, I don't know if Doc's the right guy. I just think because, like, Ben Simmons and Embiid are both, like, like, they're still, like, very, very – Ben Simmons more so than Embiid, but they're both still very young. Right. Um. But the thing I don't is, know. Like, I just, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going through Doc Rivers' head after just getting getting his brakes beat off by Denver. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I just don't know where he's at in his coaching career. That if he wants to, I don't know. Sometimes it's, it's a weird, it's a weird fit in my mind. Yeah, some, I guess sometimes I'm just gonna look at it from a point of view of like sometimes you just need a new point, like a new place, because he's been in yeah. LA forever, and like. This was the year, like what? I can't believe their players even had the audacity to say this wasn't winner, win it all or bust, because it was. Oh, win that's it all a or loser, loser yeah. mentality. That's, 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 that's Paul George. Well, like he's been there for what seven years, and he's had great teams, and, and they haven't won anything. So it's like, why not go try somewhere else with some more talented people? And you're not going into a situation where you're blowing up a team. You just need another piece or two to take you to the next level. And injuries happen to like that happened to Philly losing Ben. I think I think if they had Ben, it would have been a different series with Boston, but. <laughs> It is what it is. We'll see. We'll see how Doc does, but um, should be exciting. Uh, moving on, though, we do have some more negative news. Uh, Delonte West does check in the rehab, and I guess I, I mean I didn't really follow. Negative turned positive. What? Yeah, negative turned positive. positive. Yeah. So Delonte West is really struggling, um, which I guess I didn't really realize and pay too much attention to him after after basketball. But he was in a really dark place, and um, he's checking into rehab and. Prayers out to him. Hopefully he, he figures it out because I cannot imagine the, the dark places he's gone to in his life and where he must be mentally. But hopefully yeah, – Mark Cuban, one, like, one found him. Yeah. He was the one that started all this because mm -hmm. – Yeah, no, shout out to Cuban for taking care of, I guess, past players. It's pretty cool. I mean, that's awesome for him to do that. For sure. He had no reason to really do, uh, to do that other than the fact that he felt like he wanted to. Yeah. If you need help, ask for it. It's there. 
Back to the main event, though, of the NBA. The finals has begun. The finals, are they over from the beginning? I mean, my God. The Heat came out in game one firing on all cylinders. Um, we're up, what, 13 or 14 points on the Lakers early. I, I think that was a facade of a lead. You knew the Lakers, you knew LeBron wasn't going to blown out. Get out of here with that. It's a feeling out, it's feeling out process. You want to see what, yeah. the, you want to see what all the yeah. hype was about. Yeah. It was like he LeBron, was picking him. LeBron he wants to have him. fun, too. He wants to get challenged time and time again. Yeah. He's like, oh, okay. He's been, been cakewalking all year. Yeah. Well, here, here's, here, here's what I think. Let's, let's go to LeBron, mind LeBron James. The Heat get out on this big-ass lead. And in his mind, he's like, oh, man, you guys did it all wrong. If you think you're yes. coming in here and blowing my doors off, put that on pause and watch me come back. And I, I swear to God, the Heat didn't score the rest of the game after that. They ended up losing about, like, 50. So – Lesson to anyone who ever plays LeBron again in the finals, keep it close all game, all series, so you don't get embarrassed because, I mean, an AD, too, is AD is also playing on an absolute other level. Like, Wait, maybe 38 points? Yeah. Uh, but I, game, just, I, I, just, I just don't, nor will I ever understand, uh, understand LeBron's slander from a pure basketball perspective. What else, unless he, unless he dropped 100, 100, and 100, what else could you possibly want him to do? Every game is literally just light work, triple double, win. Every game he plays. Yeah. He's thirty-five. I don't know. I'm not gonna get too deep into that. It's funny how like I just I still I just don't. I'll never understand how anybody can watch him play and be like, a a he like saying he isn't the best player right now, which is just blasphemous. That he's he's clear he's clearly the best player in the NBA and has been for the last decade or probably more than that. Um, it's just funny how people like I, I, I don't know how you poke a hole in his game and doubt him, but it happens every year. And he comes out and does the same shit every year and plays amazing. Whether he wins or not, it's a different story. That's a lot of this team is involved in that, but I don't know how the hell LA loses this series. I think, especially with Bam, Bam's out tonight, as we're doing this on Friday night, um, before the game, Bam's out. I think Miami. I think that was as good as Miami's going to look. They looked pretty good. They didn't, they didn't play bad. They just couldn't hold the lead. Obviously, you're playing plug in. People – LeBron is not – this is not basketball. This is this is life or death. It's LeBron James. Mm-hmm. If, you have, if you're up on him, you better keep that lead or else it will be gone by next time out. It's gone. Yeah. So. And he was – it was funny because there was like one point in the game where he was uh, – here was a pass. Who was it to? It was to KCP or, 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 um, or Kuzma, and they like – nonchalantly put one hand out to catch it and they dropped it and it went out of bounds and LeBron looks at him and he goes, two hands, use two hands. Like that, that, that right there is a mindset that everyone needs to have in the league. Cause like if, if LeBron is like getting back to basics of just simply catching the ball with two hands, like and being that locked in on something that minute, like, you know, he's on that level. And he was also like yelling at the team about like, they were doing too much like, overzealous celebrating on the bench like when they were blowing up by 30 he's like yo lock, like bring it back in like this is only game one like we got a whole series to go so he's locked in you know he's you know he's doing this thing for himself as well as doing it for Kobe and like oh, I, yeah. he's on a mission so but um no I think we, I think we saw Miami's best first punch and now that Bam's gone I don't, like, yeah Bam who the, hell, who the hell is gonna guard AD now I, 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 yeah. I think you know, even 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 for Bam, it's an impossible task. Now it's like, oh, now what the hell do you do? Right. So who's guarding AD? I think I'm recording Friday night. So this is right before tip off of Game Two with Bam being out. I don't know who's in the guard AD. I I have no idea who's guarding AD. I, I thought that Miami, as hard as they play and as great of team basketball as they play, they were undersized coming in. 
Um, and now without your, your best guy down low, God bless him. But there's a question. Also- I want to pose, pose a question to you, Frank, because yeah. I don't know. Again, I think AD, I think AD had 38 and eight or something like that. 38 and nine. I forget. Who wins finals MVP this year? If AD, if AD drops like 30 ish a game, I, I, I think so, LeBron's going to have to get a triple double, average it for the finals, and to win MVP. So you you know who the most valuable player is on that team? It is LeBron. Oh, no, I'm just saying who who's right. going to give the award to? I'm saying, right. Uh, yeah. it, if Anthony Davis keeps keeps on pace of just dropping like 30 plus a game, he'll get it. But like you know that like, and if you break down the film and watch each possession Lakers have, that like everyone's oh, keeping on LeBron. I know yeah. what's going on. I know yeah. what's going on. You know. I'm just saying I don't know who the NBA will give the award to. I think this is a big fi- I think this is a big award for LeBron. This will give him. That's a huge milestone to have. Well, that'd be his fourth, right? It'd be his fourth one. That's that's crazy. So, I don't know. I mean, I don't think he's going to be that guy who's going to be mad at F. Anthony Davis. When's the finals MVP? Because I know he just wants the ring. The ring means more to him personally. Yeah. I think it's a, that that accolade puts him like even that much closer to the idiots who still think like he's not as good as Jordan, which I think he's better than Michael Jordan. But tomato, tomato, do what you want with that. But that yeah, just helps. Final point though, in terms of like viewership of that of the, it was it was the oh, lowest yeah. viewership since the nineteen ninety four finals, which that's uh, bad. Yeah, it it's bad, and at the uh, at the same time though, like this is such an anomaly of a year. Like, there's like the MLB playoffs going on right now too. It's like, well, the problem is you lost people. You lost people the- don't want to watch watch basketball or sports because of of the Black Lives Matter movement and their political stances. And so like, oh, well, those people don't, they, they don't, they don't matter anyway. I, I mean, I they, think the, I mean, the American the viewership, thing, like they're that def, and that definitely does hurt viewership. That's just a fact. I mean, that's, like, been happening since, that's been happening since Kaepernick and NFL didn't see a, a divot in numbers since Kaepernick did that whole thing. Um, I think it's more so the fact that you lost, you lost the casual fan with COVID. They don't want to watch like, as a, as a casual sports fan wants to watch it, the, the big moments, like the fans going crazy, the like home, like home court advantage, all that. That draw, I think that draws in more like guy like, oh, I like, can't. Yeah. You know, I watch, I watch a game or two here and there, like during the year. Um, right. But I think, I think COVID has really killed off like the very, very casual viewer who like, even if the game, it was like game seven with like a full crowd, they still like maybe might not watch it. And now they're like definitely not going to watch because there's no fans there. I think that and that's the biggest hurdle that COVID gave to the, all, all the sports leagues. I feel you on that. Yeah, I mean it is the fans are a big. The fans are a big part of it. Like watching on TV, like arenas go bonkers. It's this coolest. It part. didn't bug me at first, and naturally, as the games became more important, I'm like damn, I really wish one team here was at home just to hear a place absolutely shaking right now. Yes, and the same and thing in all, all the sports. Like, yeah, I, usually, I was going to say that. Yeah. I don't. I, I, I'll be the first to admit I don't watch hockey a lick during the year. I usually always, always watch most of the playoffs, and I definitely watch every game of the cup. This year, I caught like maybe a couple periods of it. I didn't. I personally, I didn't really care. Um, so I can see how again those casual viewers of the certain sports like just aren't aren't dialed in because they just don't care about the viewers like the experience of watching the game without fans there. Mm-hmm. So I, I do get it to, to a, uh, a certain point. For sure. That's all we got in the NFL, or the NBA rather, though. Let's move on to the NFL. Uh, we'll kick it off with just a little, quick little recap of Monday Night Football. Um, I, obviously, there was 
talented to be the, the game of the year thus far, a possible preview of the AFC Championship game. I was on the Ravens. I know you were on Kansas City. I thought they were going to play a little better, but I was debunked shortly after kickoff when Patrick Mahomes reminded us all of why he is the best quarterback in the league, the league MVP, the reigning Super Bowl champ. And they made, they, they contained Lamar Jackson in the passing game. Yeah. He ran for a ton of yards, but I don't even think he had what 70 yards passing or something like that. They played a contained defense the whole day. They didn't let him look outside. Comfortable at all. Yeah. Um, It's kudos to the athletic defensive ends for the, for the, for the Chiefs, um, you could see Lamar when he dropped back. There was times he would just look straight to the ground and looks around. He wouldn't look up in the pocket. I also think it's a, a, a kudos to the, the the secondary of the Chiefs. Like, I don't think, and this is this is also a fact. I don't think the Ravens have that many weapons. To be honest with you, in the past game, Marquise Brown is yes, second year. He's still growing. Mark Andrews is realistically their only other quote weapon. On that yeah, playing that good. Yeah, um, and and the Chiefs' offense made the Ravens' great defense look like a bad defense. So. Um. Yeah, man. I don't know. I mean, I'm. I don't want to overreact, which I know of is very prone in football because the NFL is just storied with QB rivalries, like one-on-one, like marquee matchups. And I think this is ours for our generation, aside from uh, Brady and Manning, obviously. But this is this is the, like next up, like head-to-head battle. Lamar Jackson, he better win one or two. He's been getting curb stomped by the Chiefs and every time they play, yeah. so. Yeah, on paper, it's always going to be a great matchup because they're both – obviously, they're both freaks. Yep. But, like, in terms of, like, story, like, like NFL lore, like, down the road, like, you know, when both of them are probably in the Hall of Fame one day, like, looking back, I'm like, well, hey, Mahomes beat Lamar, like, you know, ten times. Like, it wasn't really a rivalry. So, I think for the sake of Lamar Jackson's, however, however much he cares about his, his NFL legacy – um, he has to start beating Mahomes, or at least like challenging him a freaking little bit. But um, again, I think I still think Lamar Jackson is absolutely awesome. I think this is like a defining career game. But but, but eventually it might thing. be when they get if they get older and they both have a ring or two, or Lamar still has no rings by that point. Like if he just stays getting pounded by Mahomes, like he might not be forgotten, but he'll, he'll be looked at in a lesser light if Mahomes just steals all of his glory. Obviously. Yeah, I mean, Mahomes ain't going. Mahomes ain't going anywhere. He's there for the long term. No, they're 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 going the same route, and it's like let's, yep. let's do it. Like you, like I'm here. Are you are you here? And Lamar has not been there when they played so far. But it's exciting, man. I, I really, I mean, I it's gonna oh, be I, exciting I, to watch I, for the next. I don't care if, 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 if the Ravens are 0 10 versus the Chiefs, and they had both these quarterbacks. I will still watch every game the whole game. Yeah. They're they're both still physically amazing, um, but the head to head's been lackluster, I guess, so far in terms of back and forth. Mm-hmm. We do have a COVID sighting in the NFL. Was the big news out of the league? Um, the Minnesota Vikings and Tennessee Titans game. They both had some had some COVID cases that came out after the game. I hope to God that neither team hid their COVID cases. There's rumors about Tennessee possibly hiding COVID cases. Not going to sit here and say it happened. Like I'm just saying, that's what we've been seeing and reading, and everyone saw that in the media. But uh, that sucks. But if you didn't think that was going to happen, then you're naive. And I'm very surprised. I think I said this in our group chat earlier this week. I'm, I cannot believe that there has not been a single COVID case with no bubble through the entire training camp in the first three weeks of the season. But when the MLB was playing, we saw COVID in like the first day. So 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Putting the NFL on notice. They're not behind this shit because uh, the whole league can get turned up really, really quick. And I think recording and recording on Friday. I think there was another couple cases, I believe, from Tennessee that popped up again today. It's been every every day this week. They found at least one more additional case. But that's that's the more concerning part. Like if they had caught them, and that was it, it'd be a different story. But they they found new cases every single day this week. So it's like, is that going to stop? Like they're all still going to be like they've all were already in contact like that whole week. I guess they're going to isolate, but uh, they were they were again they were still together a majority of times. So I don't know. I just I, so I, this game got moved. So Tennessee and Pittsburgh, which was this week, is now October twenty fifth. And I was getting into this argument argument with your brother because I the, the NFL is not a flexible schedule. You can only postpone. I I, I couldn't tell you the last time I saw an NFL game postponed to begin with. Um, in, in our lifetime, but you can only maneuver the schedule so much. Like this keeps happening, like it's gonna, like it's gonna be all screwed up. So I don't know. Yeah, well, we'll speak in the NFL, schedule. Fan, NFL fans better pray that this is the only team that has done this or has has had this outbreak so far. Because like I don't know how, I don't know how much more you can maneuver football games without postponing the playoffs for too long. Where eventually it's like, well. If you're off for like you know a month, it's like what the like that's like that's gonna be hard for teams to kind of get back in like or get back to the grind like if they have to finish the season like wait three weeks or, or a month to play the playoffs like that'd be that'll be insane. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm I'm very interested to see how this plays out in terms of scheduling and how they're gonna finish the year again if it goes like beyond like beyond this outbreak. Right. Right, right now it's fine for the time being, but if it goes further than this, I don't know what the hell they're gonna do. I wonder how far you move back the season if you have to, then move back to playoffs and move back to Super Bowl. Like, I mean, you see other leagues made the adjustment, so I'm sure the NFL will, but if yeah, this but becomes baseball, a league baseball, thing, baseball, you can do a doubleheader. Easy. Done. Right. NBA, okay, we'll just play it back-to-back. That's fine. No, like, right. no, there's no off days. Football, it's like you play one – every team gets one game a week, and other than that, you're kind of screwed. So, I don't know. But, again, they had to have some sort of contingency plans in place to assume – you have to assume the worst when you're planning for a season like this during a pandemic. So – what they did is they moved t- Tennessee and Pittsburgh's game to October 25th. They also moved the Ravens-Steelers game back to week eight, and then the Ravens' bye is now going to be switched to week seven. Um, also, on the, on the Vikings' side, there's as of right now on Friday night, they're, they're still – Still playing Houston, yeah. That's okay. scheduled. Which I think was also made a point before the season's like, hey, like if if we catch the cases and throughout this week, if someone gets a case and we don't see anything else, like as long as you can feel the team, you're playing the game. As long as it's not spreading, like Tennessee, obviously you have to stop because it's still spreading. But like Minnesota, right. I don't think you see anything else. So like they're saying, okay, as of right now, like you guys are good to go, good to play. Um, but I, I mean, I good, how it'll Goodell, be the um, team, like the teams playing Minnesota, like are they going to be comfortable to play them, knowing that they had COVID cases? Like that'd be the question. Yeah, I don't know. But I do, I do know that Goodell put through a mandate to say that um, teams cannot – or players cannot leave their home city now on bye weeks. So when, when you're off, you have to stay in your team's home city. You can't travel, which is – I mean, I figured that would be the case anyway in terms of everyone's travel. Like no, no one can really travel that much right now. Uh, but I guess the NFL players have to stay in their home cities now on bye weeks. Sure. Now, last part in the NFL, though, we had a – Wonderful matchup on Thursday night. <laughs> That's a pretty fun game. It was pretty fun. Yeah, it was. It, it, it was, was exciting. So bad. It was like so bad. It was good. Yeah, it was. It was a more higher scoring than I think anyone thought. We had uh, Brett Ripon leading the crew, 
right, Brett Ripon. Uh, boys, who, boys who, care, who the hell cares how you say his name? He's actually the, probably one of the best, if not the best quarterback in Boise State history. They were showing his stats, and he holds like – He's like first all-time in like Mountain West Conference history. Yeah, oh, that's okay. Every yeah. passing Conference. category. Yeah. I don't know why I don't remember him playing quarterback for Boise. I feel like the quarterbacks he's are always played for Boise State. Well, I know, but Kellen Moore was a big thing when he was there. Like, they were na- – I guess that was – That was like, like 15 years. Years. Yeah. Yeah. But we did have a Joe Flacco sighting for the Jets. <laughs> Stone went down a little bit. Joey Flacco came and tossed a few passes around. I had actually had genuinely no idea he was still in the league playing for the Jets, but good to see you. The Jets roster is absolutely hilarious. Just like who's on that team. Jamison Crowder played well, and uh, that's about it. I mean, like, here's the thing, like, you can see flashes of Sam Darnold, like, playing good football. And then at the end of the game, on fourth down, he, or third down, he, like, tripped over himself backwards. It was, like, a reminiscent of the, of the butt fumble. But, like, yeah. He, like, has these moments of, like, really good football and other moments it's like, dude. And maybe it's just – he maybe just, like, I don't trust my linemen. I don't trust my running back. I don't trust my receivers. So, he's just probably back there, like, a sitting yeah, up. Right. My take on Darnold is that he's definitely not as bad as the media, like, makes him seem like he's, like, the worst quarterback ever. Right. He's not that bad. Because he ran for but a nice I, touchdown. I don't – He ran for a nice touchdown. I don't think he's good, though. <laughs> yeah, he, he ran for that sick touchdown. Where Oh, oh speaking of that touchdown, if you watched – I don't know if you saw the like watched it or saw the highlight. When well, he was run. running for that fifty yards, it looked like the Denver Broncos like were in a video game that just froze all of a sudden. All the defensive players just froze because like four or five of them just like watched him run past him and didn't even try and hit him. It's like they were expecting him to slide and he didn't. Broncos are a lost cause too. <laughs> it was hilarious. I just yeah I I, I don't know. But, the NFL just finds a way to outdo themselves every Thursday, which is a, a shittier game every single week. It just gets worse every week. I don't know how but, they – But still is watchable. Like, this, they, they put up points. The last couple weeks, they've still been exciting-ish games. Oh, like, dude. Again, for – again, I don't know <laughs> – I'm not that good at fantasy. At least I, I try. I think I'm good at it, but I'm not. I always love having Thursday night actions. You know, some stupid player, some no-name scrubs, and they catch, like, 10 passes for a buck 30 and a touchdown. And so I, I always try to get on Thursday. I'll try to have, like, two receivers, both <laughs> running backs. Like, just give me all of it. So they're going to be, like, 48 to 48, both, like, 0 and 9 teams. Don't care, just chucking it. Like, I, lo- I love having Thursday night action in fantasy. But mm-hmm. we'll see how it plays out this week. Because, I, I mean, I'm, thank God I have nobody on either of these freaking teams. Because they are both pitiful. But, yeah, I don't know. Just classic NFL Thursday night football. Can't beat it. Nothing better. Nothing better. But now, the main event, Major League Baseball. And a month ago, Joey canceled baseball. I was, I was thinking about it if the Yankees, like, didn't make the playoffs. So bad now. But we have the MLB playoffs, the never-before-seen 16-team playoff. And I know we were kind of ratting on it if it did – like, stay long-term, the 16-team playoff. But, like, I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed two extreme levels having baseball on all day, every day this week. And there were some exciting series, regardless of the sweeps we had. Like, there were some exciting baseball games. There's a lot of talent in the league. So, like, if you didn't know about some of these teams before you tuned in, like, you saw tons of great pitching matchups, tons of young studs playing. I mean, you saw – Gosh, the Yankees Cleveland series was wild. I was so nervous. Well, say, even that. like, even like uh, winning a series of us of three is like, yes, it's a sweep if you win two, but it's not like it's not a sweep. Like that's like 
Right. Like both both Yankees games. Well, the first one was kind of a wash. The second game was a close close shit. But like it ended up down being, five, being, a, being a sweep because they won two all in the series. Like yeah. Even though it was two all, like again, you lose one game, and it's like okay, well now it's the winner to go home. Like right. So it isn't really a sweep. So it's like it. I think we we're kind of on that page where like we knew that it'd be very fun for the fans as us fans to watch this um extended playoff. But like again, long term, what it means to the league is definitely still bad. Because you'll see them, we're gonna see more teams getting more complacent with their ownership and free agents and whatnot. And we kind of beat that horse that while back. But no, as a fan, oh my dude, yeah, baseball—it's literally on all day. Uh, your team's games mean again. It's like a best of three. It's basically like a jump ball. Like it's it's insane. So it's been great so far. Yeah, yeah the Yankees look good. The Yankees look good. The Yankees look good. Love yeah, it. the Rays look good, man. Back. The Rays gave the work to Tamp to Toronto. Oakland made a comeback after dropping the first one to the White Sox. I know that was everyone's darling. My bet is safe for another year. If the Yankees win it this year, I will not owe Coles in with $500. in. I hope you're listening. You're a fraud. All he did all season long, all 60 games, every week he would send our, our group chat for the Devils, all of us Yankee fans, and him only White Sox fan. He would screenshot the standings every single week to show us that the White Sox were ahead of the Yankees. They were nice. They, they lost, nice, bro. As soon as they lost, the group chat blew up, and he didn't answer. Like a half oh, you got to leave the chat. You got to leave the chat. Oh, he got to leave the chat. But he actually, you know what? I, do, I will give him kudos. He came in. He goes, I deserve all of this. So he came I would have left the chat, and I would have not talked to yeah. any of you again. So Frankie's wall is safe for at least another year. Hopefully, the Yankees get done this year. That way, I get paid my money. Um, but Also, hold on. Can we just postpone? Not postpone. We just pause. Yeah. The Rays, A, not scared of them. B. I'm scared. No. Uh, I'm scared. You the Yankees don't have to show I am. The Yankees to our this Yankee roster, while on paper, is like when, when they're healthy, the best in baseball, rivaling the Dodgers. But this team, time and time again, has shown no heart. They show a lot of heart against Cleveland, which I liked. They know it. Um, they know. They know. But can we just talk about how how bad at shit talking the Rays are? Do you see like what their like seasons that like, their playoff slogan is? How dumb it is! Okay, so no. back when back when like Chapman came, I was gonna get suspended for throwing at the Rays batter. Remember the I I I know who the Rays manager is. They're so relevant to my life. They had a post game press conference, and he said, "I have a whole bunch of guys in that bullpen who throw 98 miles per hour too," and they made shirts for the team saying Tampa Bay 98ers, like the 49ers. Swear to God. Tampa Bay 98ers. And they're, like, using that to, like, talk shit to the Yankees. Like, we, uh, uh, laughable attempt to intimidate a team by saying you throw 98 miles per hour and you're calling yourself the 98ers. I, I, I cannot wait. I cannot wait until we reaffirm the fact that we are the Yankees and they are the Rays and they will forever and always until this blessed earth blows up to smithereens one day they will always be irrelevant for eternity knock on wood you are the rays learn your place in life knock on wood knock on wood no i'm not scared at all we just we just took down shane bieber was the best pitcher i would say in the last maybe 10 years his numbers were stupid probably the best year i've seen since verlander won cy young mvp with tigers shane bieber was legit automatic dub. Don't care who I'm pitching. Win. Put in the books, and we and we literally embarrassed him. 
ran him out of his own stadium. I feel good. Baseball's back. I feel great too. I, I'm. I'm just. I always stay a little more tempered than you, so I'm just here to bring you back down. Oh, bro, I'm bit. either. I'm either jumping off the ship right. or I'm steering it right into traffic. But that's what I'm here for. When you're feeling down, I'm bringing you back up. And when you're up, I want to make sure we're we're staying level. That's what we do here on this. Speaking show. of shit talk, how about how about call the Astros? Are they trolling at this point? I feel like they're trolling. I feel like they're very self-aware in the fact that they know everybody hates their souls. Like Carlos Correa is saying, like, oh, what's everyone going to say now? It's like. Dude, you just came off. You guys were all batting like a buck eighty the whole yeah. year. Like, yeah, you got hot and a, yeah, a best of three jump ball of the Twins with no fans. You yeah. won the jump ball, and now all of a sudden they're back in their high horse. Like, like they didn't cheat and they didn't yeah. all suck all year. <laughs> like, I, you, you beat you beat the team that had lost sixteen straight yeah, playoff teams before yeah, that. Yeah, that's Owen oh. forever in the playoffs. You beat yeah. congrats. Yeah, I hope I hope I hope Oakland beats the doors off them, man. If they really had do. Chapman, it'd be a whole, it's, this would be a whole different dynamic in the whole American League. If they had Chapman, I think they're still very good. Um, but he's obviously he, – he's, he's, he's like their cornerstone. So, we'll see how – I don't know. I mean, I, I honestly, I hope, I, hope Houston, I hope Houston sweeps the A's, and then when we get the chance to just absolutely destroy them and bury them for good. Mm-hmm. We'll kick it over to the National League, though. Dodgers – Make quick work of the Brewers and Atlanta had a hell of a series with the Reds. Big Bro, 13. Freddie Freeman is a freak. Yep, Freddie Freeman. I've said it time and time again. He is he's a freak. Bear players of the last five or six, seven years. He's just an absolute freak show. He won the game for them in the 13 inning marathon, and they looked great again against the Reds. The Reds didn't score a run. Yeah, choke. choke. Uh, Twenty-two and I don't say a choke because they were didn't have high thoughts. Well, they right. kind of did. One they run though. Just give me one run. Just one run. I know. It was kind of a choke job, but they weren't like no one thought they were gonna win at all. But yeah. they still like they they were that like scrappy team, feisty all year, and they just they just didn't do anything. Yep. Like, so we, come on. We also had Ronald Acuna take to social media and uh, the old uh, Conor McGregor thing that Bauer was doing. When, by the way, he he shoved in game one, but Acuna well, said, when, when you got Bauer and you get smoked, like you're going to get the shit talk thrown right back in your face. Yeah. Bauer, I love it. Bauer talks a lot of shit. And I, love, like, I love it. But yeah. when you lose, like you better, like it's coming back at you twice as hard. Right. So Bauer then came back at him and posted the video of like him striking out Acuna looking and then striking out the rest of the Atlanta Braves, which in my mind, if, if you're playing a team game, you maybe shouldn't talk shit on your personal performance after you just got blanked i know you can't oh, at that point you actually just got, got shut down it's not just just laugh that one off forever. it's okay to laugh on off once in a while like you don't always have i know you, you're cool and you like can do all the cool editing and social media stuff with your company <laughs> like oh, he's not doing it it's, it's okay to just like you know laugh it up hey you beat us yeah i pitched well I, i'm aware i pitched well everyone knows you pitched well you don't have to you know you're still on your couch and Atlanta's moving on but there's a cool video though good job um Moving on, we have uh, Slam Diego tied 1-1 with the Cardinals. I would love to see them move on to go play the Dodgers in the second yeah, I think round. Everyone, I think everyone outside of St. Louis is cheering for the yeah. Padres. Yes, they looked electric on Thursday night. Uh, Machado hit a bomb. Will Myers hit two bombs. Tatis hit two bombs. Bat flipped him to the moon. Walked halfway to first base. I loved <laughs> it. I tweeted about it. I said, Right at you, non-bat flippers, right in your face. Here it is. Love it. Here for love 15 it. freaking more years. I loved it. A game of the it was show. so funny. As Tati was uh, – the guy, the guy calling the game was saying how, you know, like, these guys, they like, they like hitting the ball far and having some fun. 
And all of a sudden, he just goes, whack. He just <laughs> launches it. Tenth row, he goes, see? <laughs> it was like right, right, on, right on cue. Yeah, that was another moment where I wish we had fans in the building. I know we keep harping on it, but that would have been. Oh, that, he, if there was fans, that, that bat would have gone in the third deck if yeah. there was fans there. He would have launched that thing. Petco Park would have been in smithereens if that if they were in there. So that would have been awesome. But um, before we get on to the Miami Marlins, do want to mention there may be fans or they're planning for fans, 10,000 plus um, at the That's NLCS huge. as well as the World Series at the Rangers New Stadium Globe Life Field. So that would be sick to have some sort of capacity in there. It'll bring some sort of buzz back to what the World Series always is as one of the, the greatest spectacles in sports, the greatest series in sports. But uh, going back to the NL, under undercover, some of the, the biggest news that just happened on Friday night with the Miami Marlins taking down the Chicago Cubs in two games. Yikes. In, in Wrigley. In Wrigley, Joey put Yikes. a great stat up here. Rizzo, Chris Bryant, and Javi Baez postseason numbers since the World Series. They have hit 136 batting average. They've gotten 19 hits and 140 at-bats, 56 strikeouts, and only six walks. What do we say to that, Joey? That's a big-time yikes. Yay. I mean, that's bad. Arguably on paper, like, one of the best big threes in all of baseball in terms of your lineup. Yeah. Like, bona fide studs, World Series champions, like, and they just have – I'm pretty sure they. I'm pretty sure they all had ten. I think they combined for ten or nine strikeouts in this closeout game too. That's that's bad. That's bad. Bad. My God, the Marlins. They have a couple average vets and a bunch of young studs that are up and coming. Yeah, Sixto Sanchez. No one knows yet. Sixto Sanchez. Yeah. Say your name again. Sixto Sanchez. Sixto Sanchez. Freak show pitcher. Dude throws the ball with more movement than I have seen in a while. There was this one inside fastball he caved. I think Rizzo on today where it started his kneecap and backed up like a foot to the inside corner. And it was like 98 on the black, just stupid. And he'll, he'll be here for a while. So the Marlins moving on playing, uh, who are they going to play? Atlanta, right? Keeps a lot. So if the Padres win every single DS series will be an in-division matchup, which is pretty wild. Wild. And how it should Fam- be. Familiar teams, high Blood intensity. Path. Bloodbath. Uh, oh my God! Imagine fans for a divisional divisional matchup playoff series. What what narratives too? You got the 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 Rays who want to be the Yankees versus the Yankees who are on a statement. You have the cheating Astros playing against the up and coming Oakland. They're they're like Oakland's like the Padres of like the the AL. It's like they're just a fun like mm-hmm. loose squad, bunch of studs. You got the Dodgers and their little brothers, the Padres, coming up looking to take over the throne. And then you have the Miami minor leaguers coming to play the Atlanta, who's been on the cusp of greatness. Dominic, they're, yeah. they're almost there, and then Miami's coming to say, hold on, not so fast. So, for all you baseball fans out there, you're in for a treat. And if you're not a baseball fan, I recommend highly that you tune in to these divisional series and moving forward to the, the CS and the World Series. So, God, I'm so amped. Monday night, too, I got the Packers on and, and the Yankees game one. I'm going to have a, a very adrenaline-packed Monday night. So, it won't be much, won't be much sleep on Monday night. Mm-hmm. Um, but to finish off, we have a Stanley Cup champion, the Tampa Bay Lightning. They looked solid the entire playoffs, even without Stevie Stamkos since February. He came back immediately, made an impact. Um, Dallas put up a fight. They did. They were a scrappy team, but sometimes, man, just the on-paper talent makes a difference. 
they out they outclassed them. They outclassed them in the final game. Um, and the NHL, I just got to give them quick props because they did a hell of a job in the bubble. And you'd be able to give the NBA props, and once the finals is over, just completing this this whole thing, like. Again, I know I talk about a lot just working in the NHL, so I was literally – I've been in this whole NHL wildness for the last seven months, getting sent home from work, working from home, still trying to get people to to get on board with their season tickets for next season while the playoffs are going on, while the bubble is being created, while the regular season is being finished, like or while the, regular, the big tournament happens. Like, everything they did, they did a great job production-wise. Um, I know the NHL goes under the radar quite a bit compared to the other, the other, the other big three, but – they did a great job, and um, we have the, the draft coming up on October 6th. That's Tuesday. Big, big, big draft for the Devils in specific with three first-round picks, but you got the those damn New York Rangers getting number one pick. They're going to be loading up. Um, looks like training camp, cross our fingers, will start prior to the Thanksgiving holiday, and then again, cross our fingers, we can start the season at some point around the new year, left the new year with fans in the building. So um, things are trending in the right direction. It's good to see a league finished all the way through during COVID. Uh, NBA is a week or two away and MLB to follow, but um, it's been exciting. Unfortunate that it's, it was the least watched cup since 07, which is similar to you know, NBA or what was it? We were talking about NBA. NBA. Yeah. You, you made a great point earlier of just the casual fan, not maybe tuning in as much, not being as interested without the, the, the aura of the fans, but um. What are we going to do when when the NBA and MLB is done and, and the NHL be done? There's only, only football left. We're going to have to think of some uh, more podcast content to talk about. Are you creative? Borat. Well, Borat, talking about more Borat. I don't Borat. know. Make Borat 3. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. We'll figure it out. I mean, we, we made up – our first, like, 10 weeks of the podcast is all just speculation of whether or not there would be sports, so – I think we're primed to prevail once yeah. it's only the NFL. And I mean, I, the NFL is a lot of content. We have two shows going for right now and there's still more to talk about. So I'm sure we'll be able to ramble on about the NFL for half hour. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we can figure it out. Just maybe, maybe more interviews, double interview, maybe you never know. You never double know. Pick them, pick them, then pick them again. <laughs> How many licks to the center of a Tootsie Pop? The world mm-hmm. might never know. That's all we got, though, Joey Bird. Maybe some live callers. Ooh, ooh, like that one. Live callers, maybe even some, like, gambling callers in. Hey, people call in, put in their bets of the week, hear it from the people. Big-time teasers, big-time parlay. You never know. We could. Live callers is a good one. We'll take your, take your suggestions. We'll put a poll up next week. We'll get some suggestions from, from our listeners. But that is all we have for Episode 23, the Jordan episode, the LeBron episode. The Ryan Prevost episode. He may be the goat out of the three of them, honestly. Maybe. That's the real conversation. Ryan Prevost. Bet you can bike farther than both of them. Facts. And swim and run. Facts. Hope everyone enjoyed. As always, thank you, thank you, thank you for taking the time out of your valuable days to listen to Joey and I ramble on about sweet nothings in your ears. Hopefully we brought some more great content this week. And please, please, please continue subscribing and rating us and sharing and recommending interviews. We're an open book, us, us Paisans. Have a great Sunday. We will see you on Thursday for the NFL Week 5 preview, followed by the episode 24. Take it easy, man. Yeah, man.